So please turn with me to Psalm 122. If you're new to the Bible, we're so glad you're with us. This is a great place to learn how to read and understand the scriptures. If you don't have a Bible or an ESV, which is the version we use, there are copies at the table in the lobby. Feel free to go grab one. You won't offend me if you get up right now and go grab one. You can also just type in Psalm 122 ESV on your mobile device. Follow along that way. The ancient song which we're about to study was sung by Jewish pilgrims as they made their way to Jerusalem for a major religious festival. Many of them would have been walking for miles through the hills and deserts of the Middle East. They were all dirty, tired, thirsty. I'm sure if they had kids, their kids were complaining. And as they arrived in Jerusalem and joined the procession of other pilgrims that were walking down the final stretch toward the temple, uh, the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. They would all join their voices together and sing Psalm 122. Now, you've already had to hear enough singing from me today, so I am not going to sing it to you. I'm going to read it to you and then pray. So follow along as I read all of Psalm 122, verse 1. I was glad when they said to me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem, built as a city that is bound firmly together, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord as was decreed for Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord. Their thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. Verse 6, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, Peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. The very words of God addressed to us this morning. Would you join me in a brief prayer for understanding? Father, we ask you to do now what only you can do. You can make these words come alive in our hearts. You can take these words and make dead people live again. You can take these words and make very weary people refreshed and give them new strength for their journey. But only you can do these things. Not me, not anybody else here, only you. So we ask you now by the power of your Spirit, to meet the preaching of your word, to exalt Jesus Christ through this passage among us, and to do in our hearts what only you can do, what we need this morning, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. It's no great insight to point out that we're exposed to an absurd amount of advertising. But most of the items that we use on a daily basis are tools for advertising our phones, our computers, our clothes, our cars, our social media accounts, Google. We're inundated with ads, which means that an ad has to be really good to set itself apart from the crowd. 
And a few years back, I saw one such ad. In fact, it has stuck with me these many years. On a highway billboard, in big letters styled like a postcard, I read, Greetings from Funner, California, with a massive picture of David Hasselhoff next to it. Now, if you don't know who David Hasselhoff is, he's a washed-up actor from the 80s. Google his name after the service. Now, once I arrived at my destination, I couldn't help myself. I pulled out my phone and quickly looked up Funner, California, and here's what the ad said. I'm not making this up. David Hasselhoff is the mayor of a magical place, a place where fun means something funner. While most mayors give speeches, the Hoff speaks to your soul, and your soul speaks back, saying, hey, man, where are you having all this fun? Funner. It's not a word. It's a place. This ad was a promotion for Harrah's Resort and Casino in Southern California. As part of their marketing campaign, they actually incorporated a city called Funner, California and appointed David Hasselhoff as their first mayor. Now, I can't speak to the effectiveness of the ad campaign. I haven't seen the, the data. What I can say is that I've still never been there, so it didn't work on me. And the reason the ad didn't work on me is that I know Harrah's is overselling itself. It's just a big hotel in the middle of nowhere with a lazy river and an all-you-can-eat buffet, okay? There's a thousand things that are funner than spending a few days in funner California, okay? But if I had taken the bait and booked a room, when I arrived, I'm assuming I would have been asking myself, what on earth am I doing here? What on earth am I doing here? Ever ask yourself that question? Or maybe more specifically, have you ever asked yourself that question about the church? Perhaps you're asking yourself this morning, why am I here? Do I belong here? What, what good is this meeting doing for me? What, what should I be doing here? Am I doing the right things? Am I making a difference? Now, if you're not a Christian or if this is your first time visiting, it would make sense for you to be asking those questions. And we're glad that you're here. You are very welcome here. And in time, we hope to help you answer those questions. But even for those of us who've been here for a while, Sunday mornings, the one time every week when our whole church is together, Sunday mornings can lose their excitement, lose their luster. And it's okay to admit that. It's the same routine, same basic structure, same song, same kind of preaching, same people with maybe some new faces occasionally. This can become familiar. We can lose our vision for what's actually happening here Sunday in and Sunday out. And so how do we protect ourselves from getting too familiar with Sunday mornings? I believe this passage has the answer. These nine verses the Lord has given to us to make sure that we don't forget that there is no place there is no place like our place among God's people. No place 
like our place among God's people. So what makes this meeting so significant? Why is it so good to have a place here, a spot for you on Sunday morning here at Sovereign Grace Church? Let me answer that from Psalm 122. I'll take you through it in three points, give them to you as we go. Point number one, why is this meeting so significant every week? Point number one, God is here. God is here, the most important guest. Psalm 122 is a song that celebrates the city of Jerusalem. You may have noticed that as we read through it. There is quite a lot about the city of Jerusalem. It was originally sung, as I mentioned, by an individual who just made a long and difficult journey to the city. We know that he has already arrived by the time he's singing this song because of verse 2. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. He's there. But he begins the song by remembering the invitation to make the trip there. Verse 1, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Imagine just for a moment an ancient Israelite who lives in a small town, again in the middle of the desert, coming into the town square one evening because the elders have an announcement to make. Gather your things, they say, in two days we're making the journey to Jerusalem to celebrate the festival. This announcement makes the ancient Israelite glad. I was glad when they said to me, like, like a kid who's just been told you're taking them to Disneyland. That's, that's how he feels. But why the excitement? I mean, think about it, okay? He has to press pause on his work at home. He has to walk a very long distance in sandals without any arch support next to his pack mule in the arid desert or whatever, potentially exposed to bad weather and vicious animals. This is a dangerous journey he's about to undertake, yet delighted at the prospect of making it. Is he insane? The answer to why he's delighted to make this journey is the second half of verse 1. I was glad when they said to me, what? Let us go to the house of the Lord. What makes Jerusalem so special and worthy of braving all the dangers of the journey is the one who has made his home there, the Lord. The Lord has made Jerusalem his home among his people. It's, it is here that heaven meets earth in a way that it doesn't in any other place on the planet at this time. Jerusalem hosts the temple, God's home among his people. It's the place where he manifests his glory in the most holy place. It's the place where priests mediate each worshiper's relationship with God. It's the place of sacrifice and atonement and forgiveness. Assurance that his sins are forgiven and God is for him. That's why the ancient worshiper longs to be there. And this psalm opens with the note of that longing fulfilled. He was glad to get the invitation. Oh, now he's even more glad to actually arrive. Now, does this mean you and I all need to make pilgrimages to Jerusalem? Do we need to be... No, Dave. <laughs> you and I don't need to be so excited about Jerusalem because the temple, the place where God meets with his people, is no longer halfway across the globe. Sorry, Dave. It's here. It's where his people are gathered by the Spirit. Listen to the Apostle Paul, Ephesians 2. He describes us, the church, as the new temple like this. So then, he says, you are no longer strangers and aliens, 
but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone of the temple, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In this verse 22, in him you also, church, are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Collectively, we are the dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And that means we experience the presence and power of God in a way when we're together that we don't when we're apart. David Peterson, his excellent book, Engaging with God, says it like this. The people of God continue to be the spirit-filled community when they disperse and go about their daily affairs. But their identity as the temple of the Lord finds particular expression when they gather together in Jesus' name to experience his presence and power in their midst. Do you ever wonder why some of probably your most heightened spiritual experiences have happened among other Christians? We feel more spiritually engaged and alive when we're with other Christians. It's primarily because God is meeting us, blessing us, encouraging us, helping us in unique ways through his people. He's with us the rest of the week, no doubt, okay? Not disputing that, but he has specific gifts and blessings to give us when we may take our place among his people. Things you can only get here, okay? So, Sovereign Grace, there is a standing invitation for you every week. Oh, if I could broadcast this into your homes on Sunday morning, I would. Every Sunday, you can hear all of us saying, let us go to the house of the Lord. We don't have to make a long, arduous journey through the desert. In fact, we can get in our air-conditioned cars and make our way over here. It's not so bad. <laughs> Let us go to the house of the Lord. May we make that journey each week with joy. I'll tell you, when I arrive here on Sunday mornings, and I'm waiting for the service to start, I will often look around as you all are walking in and say to myself, there's no other place in my city this morning where God is more obviously present than right here. This, this is where he's most clearly displaying his glory, grace, and goodness every Sunday. And that is true, of course, not just for all, our church, but for all true churches. But, but we're at this church. I'd encourage you to see it the same way. Look around and say, this morning, this is where I will most clearly encounter the glory and grace of God among his people. For God loves to be with his people. Do you know that's why there's salvation at all? Because God loves to be with his people so much so that he paid the price of his only begotten son to have us back so that we would be with him. So when we're here, he's here. He loves to be where his kids are, like any father. And his presence this is why this is point number one. His presence is what makes this meeting so special, so exciting, so necessary. God is here. 
Point number two. God is here. Point number two. God designed this meeting. God designed this. Psalm continues in verse three. By celebrating the virtues of the city of Jerusalem. Verse 3. Jerusalem, built as a city that is bound firmly together. Everybody loves high-density, high-rise housing, right? That's what this sounds like. It's not what it means. Built as a city that is bound firmly together. That verse is about how wonderful Jerusalem is to behold. It's well-organized, well-apportioned. That's the idea. It's orderly. It's a beautiful city. The only city that, I, that I've seen that comes close to that description is Zurich, Switzerland. My wife and I were there in 2014. It's a beautiful city, well-organized, clean. The trains all run on time, right? The myth about Swiss trains, it's true. But the psalmist is saying something more than that the city is well-managed and well-manicured. The city is divinely designed. That's what he's trying to capture. That's what verses 4 and 5 tease out for us. Verse 4. To which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord. And here's the design. As was decreed for Israel. As was decreed by God for Israel. His design. Jerusalem is a well-ordered city, but don't think that means everything is identical, okay? There's diversity for all of the different tribes are represented there, and all of them travel there for the festival. The tribes are from different locations. They have different histories, different features, different economies, and financial landscapes, kind of like us, a room full of very different people, a diverse city, but in all its diversity— the people are united by their God, bound firmly together, just like the city they've come to. And in their diversity, what has united them? Final line of verse 4. What are they all there to do? To give thanks to the name of the Lord. To give thanks to the name of the Lord. That is their common purpose. Worship is always a movement toward thanking God doesn't mean that we won't have seasons of sorrow or difficulty as we seek to worship him, but he is always moving us toward thanksgiving. These pilgrims are in Jerusalem to thank God together. They are glad to. But that's not all they're there to do. Verse 5. Their thrones for judgment were set. The thrones of the house of David. Ah, another important feature of Jerusalem here. Jerusalem is the center of both Israelite religion. That's what we've been talking about with the temple. It's the center of their religion, but it also is the center of their royalty. Religion and royalty. A place of worship and a place of justice. The temple is there and the throne is there. God is seated there and God's king is seated there as well. All by God's design. But let me take you back for a moment to the phrase, as was decreed for Israel, that little verse in verse 4. All of, these, all of these descriptions here center around that. There are a number of sacrifices and annual festivals that Israel was commanded to observe together throughout the Old Testament. Actually, the specific instructions in Deuteronomy chapter 12. You don't need to turn there. I'll read it to you. 
Deuteronomy 12, 13, and 14 says, Take care that you do not offer your burnt offerings at any place that you see, but at the place that the Lord will choose in one of your tribes, Jerusalem. There you shall offer your burnt offerings, and there you shall do all that I am commanding you. There's the decree. God commanded Israel to come to this place, and obeying this command is no chore, right? Remember the first three words? They were glad. They're delighted to obey this command. Now, as Americans, I know we love obeying commands. It's like one of our favorite things. I think that's what we're celebrating tomorrow, our inclination to obey commands. But just think about it for a moment, okay? What's a command you love to obey? I'll give you one of mine. When my grandmother tells us to be at her house at 5 p.m. for Thanksgiving dinner, oof, that's an instruction I simply can't wait to obey. <laughs> Why? Well, because it's a meal and an occasion that is designed for our family to enjoy. It's designed for our family to enjoy. Every detail, each ingredient, right? You pull out all the stops, right? You add extra butter into everything. <laughs> everything is designed for enjoyment. That's what these festivals in Jerusalem were for ancient Israel. Meeting with God, meeting with each other, the joy of knowing they were obeying God. As they made their sacrifices, they were reassured that their sins were forgiven and God was for them. They sang and feasted with their fellow brothers and sisters. They got to see the seat of power and justice in their kingdom. They got to see the wealth of their kingdom up close. And this was all decreed by God, designed by God for the good of his people. Jerusalem was central to God's plan for Israel, okay? Israel was central to God's plan for the world, for Israel brought the Messiah into the world who is himself the new temple, the meeting place between God and men. He is the high priest who mediates our relationship with God now on this side of his cross. He is the perfect lamb who became the final sacrifice for our sins. He is the son of King David who rules forever and administers justice. Jerusalem, make no mistake, is all preparation for Jesus. And now that he has come, died, risen, ascended to his heavenly throne, as we've been learning in Acts, and sent his spirit to dwell among us, we the church are now central to God's plan for the world, a display of his infinite wisdom. We are divinely designed, well-ordered, put together according to his specifications. No person misplaced, no person here by accident. And part of his good plan, part of his design for us is to gather weekly for worship, for fellowship. What we are doing this morning is decreed by God. The author of Hebrews says not to neglect meeting together. The first Christians in the book of Acts met weekly for worship, fellowship, biblical instruction, all by God's design. And, and through your pastors and leaders, God designs these meetings for you. The public reading of scripture, songs about God and his gospel, biblical preaching, God-centered prayers, the sacraments of communion and baptism. We'll be taking communion after the sermon today personal ministry, unstructured personal ministry as you greet one another, pray for one another, care for the kids, the countless and mostly unseen ways you love one another when you're here, all designed by God for our good. The Lord presides over these meetings. 
He presides over what happens here. Your, your pastors have the privilege of leading. You receive from these meetings. You give to these meetings and make them what they are. These meetings are very meaningful because God designed them and uses them. They are central to our very purpose as the people of God. I can't say it better than John Piper. He wrote, God's purpose on the earth will advance through Bible-saturated, Christ-exalting, God-centered churches where the gravity and gladness of eternal worship is awakened and rehearsed each week. So come. Come and, and rehearse the gravity and gladness of eternal worship with us each week. Come knowing that God has designed this. And let that awaken joy and anticipation in your heart as you make your way here on Sunday mornings. God is here. He's designed this. Point number three. God has a role for you. God has a role for you here. Final stanza of this poem begins in verse six with our worshiper now instructing his fellow worshipers. Pray, he says, for the peace of Jerusalem. Now, that sentence looks kind of unremarkable, but it's actually a play on words, for Jerusalem means the city of peace. So pray for the peace of the city of peace. Salem is the English version of the Hebrew word shalom, which is a panoramic word encompassing all of life. Shalom-type peace is when everything is right with the world. No strife with God, no strife between people, no theft or abuse or murder, no wars, nobody in need, material prosperity and wealth. All those things are in view with, in that word peace. That's only natural, of course, that an ancient Israelite would want this magnificent, divinely designed, divinely inhabited city to experience peace. The city is so important that the Israelite tells his fellow Israelites to ask God to maintain its precious peace. And the next three lines after that, second half of verse 6 and verse 7, are his sample prayer, a suggested prayer. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. So not only would the city have peace, may those who love the city have peace. May there be peace from threats within the walls, peace be within your walls, and security within your towers. In other words, keeping an eye out from threats from outside, peace from within, peace from without. Now let me ask again, okay? How should we apply verses 6 and 7? Does this mean that all Christians are obligated to pray for the peace of Jerusalem? Well, perfectly fine to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. No issue there. Please do pray for the peace of Jerusalem. However, if the church really is the new temple, the new people of God, and God's purposes are now centered in his church, then we can comfortably sub in our church name for Jerusalem. Pray for the peace of Sovereign Grace Church. A plea from your pastors. Please pray for the peace of Sovereign Grace Church. May God's peace reign in the hearts of all those who love this church. We pray for the peace of our church. And this is work that all of us can do. 
you all have a role in praying for the peace of the church that does not fall to a few. So no big revelation here. Make a plan to pray for your church. If you go to another church and you're just visiting the Sunday, make a plan to pray for that church. Saturday nights, Sunday mornings, whatever works for you. Pray for your pastors as they plan and lead. Pray for the preacher. Pray for the children's ministry volunteers and the kids learning about Jesus. Pray for the guests. Pray for the unbelievers who will attend and that they would come to know Christ. You will do us all a great service, an important service, a crucial and non-negotiable service by praying with us and for us. But prayer isn't all that Psalm 122 calls us to. Look at verse 9. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. Okay. I will seek your good is very broad. But I think that's actually very helpful. Here's where the rubber meets the road. We can't be neutral toward the state of our church. None of us can afford to be neutral toward the state of our church. You see, the intentionality there, I will seek your good. A real intent can't be neutral toward the state of our church. God has given each of us a role in maintaining the peace of our church and working for its growth and prosperity. And I say maintaining on purpose, for peace is maintained, not attained. God gives us peace as a gift. We're at peace with him, first and foremost, through the blood of his son, and out of that flows peace with other Christians who have also been made at peace with him. That's our starting point, but we can disturb it. And perhaps some of you have been in churches where that peace has been disturbed, where it would have been very difficult to say, I was glad to go there. You have my sympathy. Not all churches are healthy, happy places. Not all churches are appropriating, experiencing, and enjoying the grace and peace that God offers us. And please don't walk away from this text feeling like you have to be you have to pretend to be glad at church when you're not. Our joy should be genuine. If you've been burned by a church in the past, the only way that I'm aware of for you to heal is to participate in another healthy church for an extended period of time. There's no quick fix. But I will say that I'm confident you are in just the right church to heal this morning, for I know these people. Trust these people. Open your heart and your life to these people. Serve with them. Learn how to enjoy being with them. Thank God with them. And I believe God will heal you and heal your relationship to his church. Sovereign Grace, the role of preserving the peace of our church belongs to every member. We urge you to come to the members' meetings every time we have them, and it's for this very reason. We want to equip you to preserve the peace of this church, for our church is only as strong as its members. But I am happy to report that from the perspective of your pastors, this is a vibrant, healthy church. And I want to thank you. Thank you for loving this church. Thank you for loving this city. 
Thank you for loving these meetings each week and eagerly participating. That our church has been here in the Women's Club for over a decade and continues to grow is proof that you are seeking the good of this church. I've experienced it just this morning. Oh, so grateful. I hope I don't even have to say this. I hope it's obvious by now. I love being with you every Sunday. Every Sunday morning, I can't wait to hear your voices singing. I can't wait to see your smiling faces. I can't wait to meet the guests who've made their way here. I can't wait to see all the volunteers moving around, flurry of activity as they get ready and do the thousand little things that need to get done so that we can meet. It's such a privilege to do this with you. More than that, it's a delight. I can't speak for everyone in the room, but if you want to know whether or not you being here has an impact, you make at least one man very glad every Sunday that you're here. And I'm sure I'm not alone. If you wonder whether or not there's a place for you to make a meaningful contribution here, I want to assure you that there is. Jesus Christ himself, through his Spirit, has gifts to give other Christians through you. That's just a New Testament theology of how the Spirit works to distribute gifts among Christians. Christ, through his Spirit, has gifts that he wants to give other people through you. He has the gifts, you're his Amazon delivery system, okay? The gifts of companionship, forgiveness, encouragement, prayer, love. God has a role for you here. Whether you have an official assignment like serving on the worship team or greeting or children's ministry or whether your assignment is more of the unofficial nature. Whether you're just here to sing, pray, listen, learn, encourage. And look, if you need help navigating your place in this church, please ask myself, Pastor Eric, another leader, it is our job to position you for fruitful ministry here and to make a meaningful contribution. So please let us help you. And this morning, let's recommit ourselves by saying with the psalmist, I will seek your good, Sovereign Grace Church. Uh, I know that resonates with you because you are doing it. We will seek your good for the glory of God. Look, no church is perfect, okay? But every true church is worth our loyalty, participation, and care. I love Kevin DeYoung's encouragement on this point. Listen to what he writes. If we truly love the church, he writes, if we truly love the church, we will bear with her and her failings, endure her struggles, believe her to be the beloved bride of Christ, and hope for her final glorification. I still believe the church is the hope of the world, he writes, not because she gets it all right, but because she is a body with Christ for her head. Well, amen to that. <laughs> not because we get it all right, but because of who is leading us. Ah, oh, my friends. One day, one day every day will be Sunday. One day every day will be Sunday. One day Jesus Christ will return and we will be in the Lord's unveiled presence always, 
We will be with one another always. No going back to our homes. We will be worshiping always. Nobody will feel out of place or like they don't belong or that they don't have meaningful work to do for the kingdom. No. In fact, we will never on that day have felt so accepted and loved. Every Sunday before then is a rehearsal for that day. So, be glad when you come to this meeting each week. God is here. He has designed this for you. And he has an assignment for you here. I know he does. So take up your place among God's people. For there is no place, there is no place like our place among God's people. Let me pray for us and then we'll respond to God's word with a song. Lord, thank you for making us your own. You took the initiative. When we were dead in sins and trespasses, you sent your son to die on the cross and be raised to newness of life, and then you sent your spirit to illuminate our minds and hearts to the truth of this great gospel. The Lord Jesus Christ laying down his life to turn rebels into sons and daughters and join them to his people. Thank you. Oh my, thank you. No matter what's happening in our lives, we have that to thank you for and always will. Thank you for the people that are here this morning who make Sovereign Grace Church what it is, a church of grace and peace and gladness. Thank you for the great work you've done among this church. We ask you to continue to bless the meetings of this church, that every week we would sense your presence in a unique way. Oh, that each, wor- uh, each week we would... S- we would be so glad to hear your word proclaimed and prayers made that we would gladly serve and greet one another for your glory and that through this church you would build us up and strengthen us and you would show the world what it like what it looks like to be your people how wonderful it is to be counted among your people oh do that we pray lord in jesus name amen